John chapter 16 and verse 2 says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever, whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And this is a little maybe out of context, but they're going to put you out of synagogues. And as I, as I understand that in Scripture, especially with the, um, when Jesus healed the one man and they were asking, the Pharisees were asking him, do you believe in this and, and are you, do you know what's going on? And they, and they were like, yeah, we, we're going we're gonna to follow Christ on this. And then the verse says about, and they threw him out. And that basically meant that they, he was not allowed in the synagogue anymore. They, they threw him out, the family out, I'm not sure who all. But when it talks about uh, putting you out of synagogues, it's, it's rejection. But that doesn't seem too bad. But the, the second part of the verse says that they're just going to kill you. Now, that's just depressing when you think about the world just wants to kill you. But that's, that's where we're at today. That's what we're living in. And they're even going to say that God told us to kill you. We're going to do this because this is what God asked us to do. They're going to think that they're doing God's service. Didn't study a whole lot, but we know that for uh, different religions around that they feel that that's, that's following and doing what, what God wants, which does not line up with Scripture. And then um, John 16, 33 somewhat a familiar one and this this is kind of the, the the bigger one I guess you'd say of all these uh, things coming together John 16:33 says these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace in the world ye shall have tribulation I'm just going to stop there in the world ye shall have tribulation so what is tribulation probably thinking of different things. I looked at some resources, uh, dictionaries, different things, and the word afflictions come up. Okay, so what's afflictions? Well, I kept moving around different places, and it, it got down to affliction, meaning a pressure or that which burdens the spirit. And I thought, now this is getting a little more close to home for me because we don't necessarily, we know we live in the world, prince of the world's around us, the world's going to hate us, they're going to persecute us, they might even kill us, but did that happen to many of you? I don't know of any missing that have been martyred. It's what a blessing, but it's kind of removed from us. So when it gets down to tribulations now, now what's the... What's burdening your spirit today? Or what is the pressure that you have? This is Jesus' word saying, Ye shall have tribulation. Not very comforting, but he says you're going to have it. In studying, I didn't realize, but turn to, you don't have to, Matthew 7, and I think Russell even about read it in Sunday school. He was looking for one, and I almost said something, and I thought, nah, that's, he's maybe on a little different track. But if you go to Matthew 7, 13 and 14, getting back to tribulation here, 
Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. In verse 14, it gives two things. It says about straight is the gate, and narrow is the way. Anybody know what that word narrow means? If you are thinking it means tribulation, you are correct. And I didn't realize that when we think of a narrow way. But when I saw that this word pressure is given in the definition of affliction, you are getting pressured to a narrow way. It's, it's going to be a hard way. How to deal with that. Narrow could mean tribulation. Sufferings due to the pressure of circumstances. It's kind of a big way of saying it's just going to be difficult. But it brought new meaning to verse there about straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Life is not going to be easy. There's going to be hard things. There's going to be tribulations in life. John 17, 18 this is the last one I have. And I'm going to read the last part of the verse. Even so have I also sent them into the world. Jesus specifically giving a command or a statement that he's saying, you're going to have to go into this world. All these things we looked at. He says, even as I was sent, you're going to have to go. And this is where we are. We're in it right now. So what's some of these tribulations? I thought it'd be fun to list some of mine, and I'm sort of backing up because my tribulations might not be yours. I was thinking somewhat world events, but it can go lots of places tribulations and take whatever you're thinking and apply it for your life I'm going to give you some that have been rolling around in my mind as we think of the physical future of the world and or things we might have to face I thought it somewhat interesting that as we some of some of this whole thrust and, and to try to get it as is we see the second coming of Christ, that we're aware of the signs of the times and can go, I think I have it in the end of my notes maybe, but as the one that came to the temple to see the Messiah, they knew it, they were watching for it, and they saw it, and they were absolutely correct on it. They knew it. But some of these things, the tribulations, the pressures that we have, I don't think it's very good of me to mention it, but I'll say it anyway. The COVID vaccine. I don't think I need to say much else, but it's a pressure. It's a a situation or something that you got to sort through. You don't know what to do. It's a circumstance that we've been put into. But maybe the COVID vaccine isn't quite so bad as something else that I saw that they're trying to do. Makes the COVID vaccine kind of well not too big of a deal. I don't know if any of you would have heard of this. I actually heard it from um, a non-Mennonite preacher in Hawaii, I think. I don't remember 
forget the name exactly right now. And he was talking about Revelation, the end times. And he mentioned the, this uh, thing that they are studying, researching. And he called it quantum dot tattoo. And I was like, hey, what's that? So we have access. We can go to internet and look this up. And basically, what they would like to do, and here again, when you know how the end things are in Revelation, you, you start trying to not necessarily put things together, but start looking and trying to watch out for it. I'll just read you what I printed off here. The key to the new technique is a die containing quantum dots, tiny semiconductor crystals, semiconducting crystals that reflect certain wavelengths of light. The idea would be that this would be administered along with the vaccine while the drug goes to the work in the bloodstream, the quantum dots would be just below your skin for up to five years. These dyes can be arranged in different patterns to mark different vaccines. That way, when a doctor needs to check patient's record, they can use specially equipped smartphone that makes the normally invisible dye, makes it fluorescent, and can see what pattern shows up. In this case, the quantum dots are copper-based and designed to admit near-infrared light to keep them in the body for long periods of time. The, the design dye is to be delivered via needle, micro-needle patchwork. This painless alternative to a syringe is applied like a Band-Aid with the skin-facing surface made up of tiny dissolvable needles. The needles themselves are made up of the desired drug and quantum dots all bundled together with some other things to make this work. And as you stick it on like a Band-Aid and doesn't even really hurt, does what it's supposed to. And if you have your smartphone, you could look and it would tell you what you were given. Now, I want to sidetrack a little bit from the whole medical or vaccine side of it, and you start thinking about, yeah, they stuck something on you. They just have something in you, and I don't know if that's where your red flags and mine's going, but, uh, and even to scare you more yet, I don't, maybe not scare, that's what it said online is, is the patent for this, and it's all unconfirmed, and I don't even believe it, but they wanted to say the patent number is 060606. I don't, want to, I don't need to say much more about that. But later I realized patent number has more digits than that. So I'm not sure where they're even getting their patent number. What would you do if you're forced to do something like that? It's a pressure. You know, I wrote down here the healthcare and the medical field. There's a lot of stuff having to do with that of do you do this or don't you? And it's pressures. It's the world that we're living in. And it gets difficult and hard sometimes. And what do you do? And you don't know what to do sometimes. Uh, jumping to another one. And I asked my dad the other day if he knows what cryptocurrency is, and he goes, no, not really. And I thought, boy, because I hadn't really heard much about it until just, you know, over the summer, kind of hearing a little bit here and there. But 
I don't know how many of you are familiar with cryptocurrency, but I'll just read you just a little introduction of what I found online. Cryptocurrency is digital payment system that doesn't rely on banks to verify transactions. Instead of being physical money carried around and exchanged in the real world, cryptocurrency payments exist purely as digital entries to an online database describing specific transactions. When you transfer cryptocurrency funds, transactions are recorded in a public ledger. Cryptocurrency is stored in digital wallets. I looked it up. Home Depot accepts cryptocurrency. Starbucks did, then they kind of went back. Tesla did, and then they sort of are in the middle of it now. But there is more and more places accepting cryptocurrency. You don't use your wallet anymore. This is the world we're living in is changing. Let's see what my next one is. Somebody wondered if I know what metaverse is. Raise your hand if you ever heard of metaverse. All right, see, some of you did already. I'm a little behind on this. Metaverse, a virtual, I don't know, creation, uh, what do you call it, invention. Coming through Facebook, as Facebook's term for it, I think there's other ones out there, a little bit that I know of. But there's a fairly big push for virtual reality. And like I say, hearing bits and pieces, reading a little bit, the idea that you can go places through the, uh, uh, the improvement or the betterment of 3D with your phone, you can uh, uh, you take your business and you get all these pictures of 3D, you stick it in here somehow, and then you can go there without having to go there. And you, I don't know if it's through uh, looking on your phone or how it is, but you will see the people and the place just as if you are there. And it's starting to get a little more popular um, in uh, sort of Facebook is all, all big. They, they're like, this is, this is what's going to be. And I could say I don't know all about it, but it was, it was uh, just major enough. I mean, there's lots of things out there, but major enough that I, I was like, I was kind of glad I knew that, hey, this is out here, sort of like cryptocurrency and some of these things that were not necessarily caught off guard on it. And I was studying, I ran across this thing called um, Web3. There again, I don't know if you would have heard of it, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear of it. But Web2, if I understand, is the current Internet that we're on now, but there's a, a Web3 that might be coming. And I don't think this is what they mean by 5G either. I think this is a whole different uh layout of, of maybe how the internet will work together, which I better stop before I talk about things I don't know of, but the big people in the world with lots of money are looking at these things going, are we ready to jump in them or aren't we? So it, it's, it's, uh, it's starting to become more and more prevalent if people looking at it. That's some on the technology side, but then uh, we have lots of tribulations can come down to, and we talked about it, Mike 
opened, he said, fear not. There's lots of fears that we can have, and some of these are maybe all come under that, but um, none of us like pain, and so we can see that in the world we're going to face. There's going to be pain in some sort, either the persecution or uh, certain things can be emotional pain, just wrestling with things. And I wrote down here for another one of fear is uh, government overthrow. Uh, terrorists, the rebel groups. All of a sudden, Haiti comes to mind real quick. Like, you know, what, what if those groups were around here? Uh, I would would start. You know, it would it would bother me a little bit. I would. I'm not sure how I would act or what I would do. Uh, we we just have it very good as of now. And along with another fear, maybe. Um, Someone I think had commented to me about with all these technology things in the end times, the, the fear of, of accepting something that would end up being the mark of the beast and you didn't know it. And it's, it's just, we're, we just are full of all these tribulations in the world. But, I want to tell you, I think this is pretty well the end. I didn't want to get too stuck on all these negative things. But John has a whole lot of things for us to look at on the positive side. And there is a future and a hopeful future for the Christian here on earth. We do not have to be holding to all these my list or my things of what I'm thinking, even the things that you're thinking of. That doesn't have to have any grip on us. It doesn't have to hold us. So John 14.1. Get to the verse that you probably thought we might start with. John 14.1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. That word, word troubled there, and I studied it a little bit, it does go back to Jesus telling the disciples that he's going to leave. He's not going to be here anymore. And so he says, don't let your heart be troubled. But the word troubled can mean the same as, uh, it's not maybe exactly a parallel, but real close to the word of tribulation. So don't let your heart be, I don't know if it's a word, tribulated. Have tribulation. Don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Or don't let your heart be troubled by tribulations. Double up on it that way. And the second part of the verse says, believe in God. And that's going to be your, your foundation, your confidence of if you're going to stick to believing in God and that He will sustain you through these things. He also says in verse 3, no, sorry, I got my, my numbers are a little bit wrong. It's in verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. This is part of hope. This is part of the how we can live through the times that we're in. That we know what's going to be coming. We, he goes to prepare a place for, us, place for us. And then in verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am... There ye may be also. So it gives us that 
comfort that we don't have to be troubled because we know what the future is going to be. Future, future, eternal future. Turn to verse 13 and 14 yet in chapter 14. So John 14, 13 and 14. It says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. There again, the first thing that came to my mind was the hostages that were taken in Haiti. And the prayers that were given on behalf of them, that if you'll ask, he will do it. And Jesus did do it. God did answer prayers, and those hostages were, um, were released through their, the way they could escape. And it was commented earlier today about why these things don't happen. This is one little clue. Not that it's the case, but this is the reason why God does things. It says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And it comes back to if these miraculous things happen, is Jesus going to get, is Jesus Christ, is he going to get the glory for it? He knows us well enough that if he knows we're not going to do much with it, why would he give it to us in the first place? It's a little hard to think through that, but it's human nature. Once we got what we wanted, we're good. We're, we're, we, it's, it's there. But to hear the praise and testimonies of people that they are giving glory to God for their release in Haiti. There is, and God might have known that and said, I will give them that because they will glorify the Father through this. Maybe getting a little off the subject there, but has to do with asking things in his name, and he says he will do it to the glory of the Father. John fourteen eighteen says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. The word comfortless there means orphans. So Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And you think of an orphan that does not have, like their mom or their dad died, and they are totally by themselves. I should have put that in with one of the realities, but it wasn't. A reality because he says he's not going to leave us as orphans. He's not going to leave us comfortless. He will come to you. And God will not forsake us. We will always have a Father in heaven. It's part of that believing in verse 1 about ye believe in God, believe also in me. That God will never forsake us and if we believe we will always have a Father in heaven through thick or thin whatever comes our way. John 14:27 Kind of some repeat here, but what I wanted to point out was is in verse 27, we'll just read it. John 14:27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That even though all these tribulations are going to come, 
the killing, the persecution, the pressures of whatever. Do you believe that you can still have a deep settled peace? Peace is like a calmness through all these things because the tendency is is when you hear about a certain new I'll just say that band-aid that they're going to stick on you suddenly you tense up and you don't necessarily immediately have peace right away. These things that are going to come naturally we will. We'll be on edge. But Jesus said you can have peace and he gives us his peace. And not only peace, we can have, as in the next one here, John 15, 11, And it's stated a couple times, but John 15, 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I don't know about joyfully doing all these things that come along but joy is to have a delight or gladness or to be able to rejoice and Jesus says not only will it be a little bit he said that your joy might be full this is full if you sign this is when you get full and that's I tend to go yeah you're, you're full um, we can be full of joy Now I'll go back to two of these that I sort of read the first one already, but John 14.30 gives, the, the verses kind of split apart, and I, I was sort of separating them a little bit, but John 14.30 says, Hereby I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. But the last phrase is what I want to state here about, and hath nothing in me. And I couldn't quite understand that. What and hath nothing in me. And I still don't totally understand it, but I just took it from the, um, the NIV, translated it. And, and the way that would read, it says, He has no hold on me. So the promise, as we've been hearing about a lot this morning, is, is that, the prince of this world cometh and cannot have any hold on Jesus. There is a impossibility there. And if we grab a hold of that, I don't think I'm going too far out of line to say that, because other scriptures back it up, that the prince of this world cannot have a hold on us. There's a promise there. John 16.33, I think I read the first part. We're going to go to the last part. It says, But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The word overcome means there to conquer, to have victory. And we know that Jesus can, have, can, can conquer the world, but... We're, we're in that world, and Jesus says he conquered it, and I think we can tap into that power that he has of conquering. And as I think of overcoming or, you know, victory, I, I need to turn to Revelation 5. 
and see what that overcoming was, just to keep you in mind of it. Revelation 5, 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. There was a certain, uh, if you read the previous verses, about nobody was able to open this. And then he said, Weep not. There is one that was able to overcome it and to, to uh, open those seals. And that is the same we have today in the ability to overcome the things that we encounter. And he has the powers. For us as Christians, we can hold fast our faith even unto death or whatever takes place in our lives against the power of our foes and our temptations and persecutions. There is that promise of being able to overcome. And another one, John 17, 11 and 12. I'm just going to read those two verses. They sort of go together. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I see this as part of where Jesus was praying for his disciples, and as it's given here, the prayer for his disciples. And it uses this idea about keeping through thine own name. And there again it comes to mind about the power through his name because of the, how the hostages were released and were kept from evil through the power of his name. And we have that. And Jesus was praying to specifically for his disciples that, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those that thou hast given me. And it's the idea of we can be kept or preserved by the power of his name. And the little bit that I heard, some bits and pieces of the hostages held there. <clears throat> when those, the terrorist group, uh, whatever term you want, the soldiers, the guys with guns, um, it took them. And I don't know who the leader was or all that, but when the one that was in charge of their worshiping Satan, was in on some of this. The whole place was full of evil, as some of you may know. And when they would try to get to these hostages, the power of them men saying, you stop in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, was there. And things stopped. They had no power on them. They, they, they could not. And I see this as just an example of what we have today that like you say we don't see this very often I think it's a, almost a somewhat a wake-up call of what we have through the power of Jesus name today and where we live we're 
maybe not faced with it so much, but we may in the future be faced with similar things like what, what they were. And that we can have that power to be preserved and kept through the name of Jesus. Now I want to back up to Revelation here yet in closing. Um, I guess back up, I'm not sure. It has to do with some of the notes earlier. Revelation 13.8 has <clears throat> been one that's in my mind quite a bit. And if any of you recognize the reference, you, you might know what it is. 13.18, I'm sorry. Revelation 13.18. It says, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. I find a little comfort in this that the beginning of the verse says, Here is wisdom. And it's your choice if you want to be wise or not and looking and deciding where this is at. Because Jesus, in Scripture, is given, told us the number. And this is specifically with the mark of the beast. And there's comfort in that. That we aren't, as I said earlier, that you may unknowingly receive the mark of the beast. I think you will if you're not wise. I think you could if you do not search Scripture and understand Scripture. But taking it from what it says, if you have wisdom and look at Scripture, you're going to know when it comes. And I find some peace and uh, comfort in that. If we have wisdom, we will able, be able to count the number of the beast. Let's be looking through all the tribulations of this world to the second coming of Christ. And just repeat what I think I did earlier. Simeon and Anna knew what they were looking for. And it was even somewhat revealed by the Holy Spirit as they were in the temple. So if I could combine all this together, that our focus as we think of the world that we're living, as we have to face whatever may come ahead, tribulations, trials, we can know what's identified by the world if you want to say even through the, through the mark of the beast. But that we can be looking just a little bit past that and know what's coming as a hope, as peace, and as joy that we can have in our lives as we live in the world. So I think I'll end with that. Let's stand for prayer.